as far as we know, they're only in the Misty Mountains. And, uh, let's see. But, but, well, that was, sorry. Oh, I'll censor that. <laughs> uh, but. Hello everyone, welcome to Exploring Middle Earth, a podcast about Middle Earth. Uh, today's our Valentine's Day special. Um, Yes, that's pretty much all we're doing for Valentine's Day, was Grant's kiss. Yep. <laughs> Did we kiss or no? You'd never know. You won't know. We didn't get on video. But today we're going over chapter three and four of The Hobbit, A Short Rest, and what's the other one? Uh, uh, Overhill and Underhill. Overhill and Underhill. Yeah. So, since these are shorter chapters, we're doing two and one. Um, why don't we introduce ourselves before we go? Okay, yeah. I'll introduce myself first. Okay. Or wait, why don't you introduce me and I'll introduce you. Okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, right next to me, although you can't really see that he's right next to me, but I hope you can assume he's right next to me. Yes, is Jay, and he's uh, he's pretty moderate with, yeah. <laughs> his, with his Tolkien knowledge. Um, we just watched uh, the extended edition 4K, 4K yes. Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. on Saturday before we recorded this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're feeling inspired. Yes. Uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's about Jay. <laughs> yep. Uh, sitting next to me is Grant. He's a Tolkien expert of this podcast, and probably of a lot of like the range he lives in. I'm not gonna say where we live, but he probably knows a lot more than people within like a fifty mile radius of him. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. Pretty... Know, once you get fifty one, there's probably few <laughs> people. There might be someone out there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he knows a lot. He's read a lot of books. And watch the movies yeah. multiple times. And he just knows his stuff. Yeah. But today, we're going to start with chapter three. Uh, Grant, you can give a summary, and then I'm going to go in depth about the major s- metropolitan city. It's not really metropolitan city. No, not city. really. Just a house. You know how it'd be. Major town house. So this is chapter three, a short rest. After the whole dilemma with the trolls, the dwarves, along with Gandalf and Bilbo, travel through the edge of Wilderland and arrive in the Valley of Rivendell, or Imladris, as the elves call it. Uh, so in the last chapter, as you know, they uh, encountered the trolls. Trolls got turned into stone with Gandalf's help, and they got some swords from their lair, all yes. that sort of stuff. And now they've they got to keep walking, keep walking and talking. Yeah. And then eventually they arrive at Rivendell. Um, so uh, they stay there for 14 days, and uh, they find food and rest there among the elves, and uh, this is also the home of Elrond, the half-elven, uh, and he is basically like a lord of the elves, like he's not a king or anything. There's no more kings of the Noldor, which are like the high elves, uh, so he's just a lord, I guess, but he knows a lot of history. He's uh, really skilled in healing, and... So yeah, they, they get a lot of food and rest. Yeah. I'm sure the food there's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the elves like to mock the dwarves. Like, they sang a song oh, when, yeah. they, when they entered into the valley. Like, the yeah. tra-la-la-la-lally, mm-hmm. welcome to the valley. And then they said something about, like, don't trip over your beard or something like that. Yeah, they don't, they don't have a good relationship. Nah, they don't. And there's a whole reason behind it, mm-hmm. but we won't get into it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they stay there for 14 days, which is the same amount... Uh, as the party, the 13 dwarves and Bilbo. One day for each 
part pers- party yeah. member. Although Gandalf's still there, so it's yeah. not really the same amount of people. <laughs> yeah. But we're just going to exclude Gandalf yeah. just to make it good. <laughs> Anyways, so they stay there until Midsummer's Day. But on Midsummer Eve, Gandalf took the swords that Thorin and himself had gotten from the Troll's Lair. And it, uh, all along with the map that uh, Thor had given to Gandalf, the map of Erebor. Mm-hmm. And he uh, showed it to Elrond, who, like I said, is really wise and knows a lot of history. And he read the runes on the swords and discovered that Gandalf's sword was Glamdring the Foehammer and Thorin's sword was Orcrist the Goblin Cleaver. Uh, which I kind of talked about those swords in the last episode. So Yeah, so Elrond didn't need to mention that. So he didn't really need to it. talk about it because I already said something yeah. about it. So And I went in depth. So, mm-hmm. uh, But here's something that I didn't talk about in the last episode. He looked at the map of Erebor, and because it was Midsummer's Eve... Um, well, there's a whole thing behind it. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so they, it was at night when Gandalf showed the map to Elrond and the moonlight kind of like shone onto the map mm-hmm. and then it revealed these what are called moon letters which mm-hmm. are uh, written with um, uh, mithril which is kind of like a silver steel type thing which is really valuable. Is that the chain thing that yeah, Frodo wears? Same, yeah, same okay. thing. Yeah. Okay. And also the, uh, the, the doors of Moria that you see in the Fellowship of the Ring that's made out of uh, I think some sort of like it's moon letters as well, yeah. but it's made with mithril. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways, the moon letters reveal, and it reveals uh, this, the I guess the riddle to get into the secret door. And it says, "Stand by the gray stone when the thrush knocks, and the setting sun with the last light of Durin's day will shine upon the keyhole." So it's not really a riddle, but it's just telling it's you the answer to a riddle. <laughs> it's the answer to the riddle. Yeah, that's the riddle of nothing. They don't know what the riddle is. They were trying to figure out yeah. what the riddle was. It's like Jeopardy. Yeah. You have to answer oh. with the question. Or wait, that doesn't make no. any sense. No. Sorry. I uh, apologize. Anyways, so... Yeah, so... It, and Elrond was saying that apparently the dwarves who made the map must have written the the secret words on Midsummer's Eve a long mm-hmm. time ago because... Um, like certain amount of, or like certain moon letters, if you like do it a certain way, I guess they only appear on the same day you write them like every year. And the same shape of the moon. That's yeah. What, yeah. The like same. Yeah. If it was like a crescent. Which they got super like that. lucky that. So they did get really <laughs> lucky, which you can either say it's lazy writing on Tolkien's side or absolutely bizarre coincidence. Yeah, coincidence. So. Or fate. Could yeah, fate. or doom, as fate would have it. Yes. So yeah. yeah, that is pretty much the summary of a short rest. Yeah, they just pretty much learn about the swords and the map and stay mm-hmm. in Rivendell for a little while. Yeah, there's one thing I did have a question about. Okay. So you know how you said, like, in Tolkien mentions this that the food there is good. Yeah. Um, in the movies, they the elves only have like vegetarian like leaves and stuff and the dwarves are upset about it is there anything said that elves are vegetarian or don't eat meat or anything I, th- is... I think i read that somewhere um grant's gonna read it I'm again gonna, now i'm gonna he's looking it up i'm gonna look it up because i mean as far as we know we've only seen them like eat or like in the books and stuff we've only seen them eat uh like the lemba spread mm-hmm. the little wafers and that's not meat so i don't know um, let's see. 
The only elves specifically said to be vegetarians were the green elves of Osirian in the First Age. Okay. So, so that's not the people in, uh, or the elves in Rivendell. Yeah. Okay. So they would have meat for the dwarves, but in yeah. the movie they just have. I was wondering that, you know. So I don't know. Uh, they probably do eat meat to some extent, but it's probably not. They are probably heavily vegetarian. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, so I'm going to do a deep dive on the history of Rivendell up to the... Uh, up to a T. Up, no, up to them getting... Or to the party getting there. I'm not going to do like all the crazy stuff that happens after. But I, I did want to read Bilbo's intro to Rivendell because I just thought it was cool. So right this on, is, right on. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is Bilbo's account of them coming to Rivendell. So it says, here at last he called, which is Gandalf. Right. Here at last he called, and the others gathered around him and looked over the edge. They saw a valley far below. They could hear the voice of hurrying water in a rocky bed at the bottom. The scent of trees was in the air, and there was a light in the valley on the valley side across the water. Bilbo never forgot the way they slithered and slipped in the dusk down to the steep zigzag path in the secret valley of Rivendell. The air grew warmer as they got lower, and the smell of pine trees made him drowsy, so that every now and again he nodded off and nearly he nodded and nearly fell off or bumped his nose on the pony's neck. Their spirits rose as they went down and down, and the trees changed from beech to oak. There was a comfortable feeling in the twilight. The last green had almost faded out of the, out of the grass when they came at length to an open glade not far above the banks of the stream. So that's a very nice. It's a very beautiful image Tolkien oh, yeah. paints. And if you look um, at pictures of Riven or like drawings of Rivendell, or just in the movies, it's a very beautiful place mm-hmm. and like calming, a very peaceful place. And it reminds you kind of like a. It feels like kind of like a heaven on Earth or on Middle Earth. Yeah, it's like a. It's because Rivendell's not on Earth. No, but it's just a very calm, uh, like peaceful place uh, where not a lot of evil happens. Especially when Elrond's there. He's like, not letting evil in here. Not in my watch. Yeah. So Rivendell, uh, if you haven't figured out by now, is an elven town in the house of Elrond. And it's located, uh, if you find, if you're looking at a map of Middle Earth and there's a shire, if you go directly east from the shire, right to the Misty Mountains, you'll find Rivendell, which is right on the edge of the Misty, like in the middle of the Misty Mountains range. That's where Rivendell is, um, and it's in the mountains in, like, a valley in the mountains, so it's kind of hidden. That's why it took the party so long to find it. Um, in Sindarin, Rivendell is known as Imladris, and that means Deep Dale of the Cleft, so it's just this hidden house. It's also called the Last Homely House. Yep. Uh, and so the founding of Rivendell, so during... Uh, during Rivendell was founded in the Second Age, and um, I'm just gonna give a quick overview because there's a ton of stuff that happened that caused it or led to the founding of it. But during the War of the Elves and Sauron, um, in the Second Age, Elrond led an army of elves um, of Linden to fight against Sauron moving west. He was moving to Eriador, which is towards where the Shire is. The Shire wasn't like a thing back then, but the elves were there, and Sauron was coming from Rohan, which is at the very bottom of the Misty Mountains, coming up, like, northwest towards Eriador, and they were fighting back. So, so or, uh, Elrond comes to fight him with his army, um, 
but uh, he gets uh, stopped. He can't, like, or Sauron's too strong to defeat, so Sauron pushes him away, and instead of fleeing back to Eriador, or back towards the west, they flee up north along the Lonely Mountains to where they found, uh, not find it, they founded it, they didn't yeah. find it, Imladris. Uh, I gotta figure out which one I'm supposed to read. It is... Okay, so I have a I have a section from the Unfinished Tales that talks about that. So this is this is right after oh this is in the Unfinished Tales, the history of Gladriel and Celeborn. Is it Celeborn or Celeborn? It's Celeborn. Celeborn, yeah. yeah. The history of Gladriel and Celeborn. Um, so this is right after, uh, they start fleeing. It said, Elrond had gathered such few of the elves of Eriagorn that as that had escaped but he had no force to withstand the onset. He would indeed have been overwhelmed had not Sauron's host been attacked in the rear before Durin sent from the force of dwarves from Khazad-dûm. So they were fighting him, being defeated, and then the dwarves came from the Lonely Mountains area up there, threw and uh, fought Sauron from the back, which distracted him. He turned Him and his forces turned around to uh, fight against the dwarves, and that let uh, the elves escape. Uh, so it says, Durin sent a force of dwarves from Khazad-dûm, and with them came the elves of Lorienad, led by Amroth. Elrond was able to eradicate or extricate himself, but he was forced away northwards, and it was at that time, in the year 1697, according to the Tale of Years, that he established a refuge and stronghold at Imladris, which is Rivendell. So 1697 of the Second Age is when Rivendell was founded. So it was originally founded as like a stronghold uh, in... Uh, the fight against Sauron. Yep. And when they founded it, Sauron moved close or west towards Eriador, but he sent some of his army to up to Imladris to uh, hold Elrond there. So then they couldn't attack from that side, which um, hurt him in the end because hurt El or not Elrond hurt Sauron in the end because uh, when he was fighting Gilgalad, which was the last high king of the Noldor. Um, in Eriador, it says, uh, this is just a little bit further down that page, uh, it says, But his force was weakened by the necessity of leaving a strong detachment to contain Elrond and prevent him from coming down upon his rear. So, uh, upon his rear? Yeah, Whoa. coming down upon his <laughs> Oh, this is new information, dude. But, so that was the first siege of Rivendell, is when the um, orcs were attacking Rivendell to keep uh, Elrond from coming back to fight or to help Gilgalad in the fight against Sauron, but eventually Sauron got defeated, um, and uh, he went back into the shadow. But after he was defeated, they kept, or they, or Elrond decided to stay at uh, Rivendell, and it became like a safe haven for many of the people of Middle-earth. Um, so uh, the first siege, which uh, was what I just talked about when, the orcs were there that ended in 1701 so uh seven, 1697 to 1701 so four years is how long that siege lasted and then after that it was everything was good for like the most part they were out of there um so after the first siege it was decided that Imladris should become the new elvish stronghold in eastern Eriador so uh Gilgalad the high king of the Noldor appointed Elrond his vice regent which uh just meant he's the lord over Rivendell, and um, he's not, like Grant said, he's not like the king. 
because there was, or Gilgalad was the king, but he was the last one. Um, so Elrond is like his second, like a commander to him. Um, and then there was a second siege, which is not, it's not explicitly stated that there uh, was a second siege on Rivendell, but this is, this is after the Hobbit, like the, the events of the Hobbit. Um, but in Appendix B of Lord of the Rings, in the Third Age timeline, it is stated that the Witch King of Angmar invades Arnor, which was the kingdom of the men located in the land of Eriador at the time. And Rivendell was in Eriador, so there's a chance that they were attacked. But yeah. they were able to hold them off. Um, and there was... Uh, so there's a section in um, the Silmarillion, which is like... If you don't know what that is, that's like the history book of Middle-earth. It's always fun to read from the Silmarillion. But this is from the Rings of Power in the Third Age uh, chapter, and it's talking about... Um, no, the Rings of Power talks about the creation of the Three Rings, um, and that is what Elrond... Or, not Elrond. Um, Sauron was do, doing all the battles for and everything is because he realized that the elves made other rings, but that's, like, way too deep to get into right now. Right, right. But, so there's a section in this, uh, in the Silmarillion that talks about, um, uh, Rivendell after Sauron's gone, and I just thought it was a good description of Rivendell. So it says, In, in all the days of the Third Age, after the fall of Gilgalad, Master Elrond abode in Imladris, and he gathered there many elves and other folk of wisdom and power from among all the kindreds of Middle-earth, and he preserved through many lines of men the memory of all that had been fair, and the house of Elrond was a refuge for the weary and the oppressed, and the treasury of good counsel and wise lore. So it's just like a, like I said at the start, it's just like a very nice place, mm -hmm. and peaceful place where people of Middle-earth can come to uh, seek ref or find refuge, and uh, an important part that's not really important about in The Hobbit, but overall in the scope of middle earth is um it housed isildur isildur's hairs for a little bit yeah and then um when they those people or isildur's people became like rogues and just wandered he took the uh shards of narsil which is the sword that cuts off sauron's hand um and that's how they get the ring they um they take that and house that at rivendell so that's why there's uh artifacts of uh Isildur and his heirs there and it's also where Aragorn uh grew up because uh Elrond allowed Isildur's heirs to stay there so there's a lot of history that goes into uh Rivendell and it's a big part of not just the Hobbit but also a big part of Middle Earth and the history of Middle Earth and it plays a big part after the Hobbit but we're not going to go into that but um Tolkien was obviously inspired by something to create most of his stuff, obviously. Right. I mean, everything's inspired by something. Um, but so, in one of his letters, Tolkien's letters, letters 306, he mentions uh, his inspiration for Rivendell, which was, I thought was interesting because it's also kind of like an inspiration for, like, The Hobbit, like the uh, story of The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, it says, so in letter 306, he says... Uh, I'm delighted that you have made the acquaintance of Switzerland. Oh, I forgot to mention, this is Tolkien writing to his cousin, I think, who visited Switzerland. So it says, I am delighted that you have made the acquaintance of Switzerland and of the very part that I once knew best in which I had the deepest effect on me. The Hobbit 
The Hobbit's journey from Rivendell to the other side of the Misty Mountains, including the Glissade, down the Slithering Stones, and the Pine Woods, is based on my very adventures in 1911. So in 1911, uh, when Tolkien was 19, he visited Switzerland, a place called Lauterburen. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but here, I'll pull, I don't up, know. <laughs> I'll pull up a picture for you, Grant. Okay. If you want to, oh, that's, I looked up how to pronounce it pronounce it but i forgot look up if you are not doing anything right now maybe lauter brunen yeah something like that if you're not doing anything right now look up a picture of it and you'll see how it resembles um or how big of an inspiration it was on tolkien if you want to look at this grant you see that uh, yeah yeah it's it's uh it looks just like rivendell with the mountains on either side and the town in the valley oh yeah so if you look that up because it's a really good uh it's just a beautiful place, and it's an, it really shows the inspiration Tolkien got. Um, but then he goes on later in the letter to say, Our wanderings, mainly on foot in a party of twelve, are now in clear sequence, but leave many vivid picture as clear as yesterday. So I never knew that, but Tolkien uh, went on, like, I don't know if it was like a backpacking trip or whatever. He went on a trip to Switzerland, and he uh, wandered on foot with a party of 12, which is kind of similar to what Bilbo does, which is a little bigger party, and with dwarves, not people. Yeah. But So I just thought that was an interesting uh, thing about his inspiration from for Rivendell in the Lonely, or the Misty Mountains, and then just the whole idea of the party traveling through the mountains in general. So that's all I have on Rivendell. Um, and next, after this ad break, we're going to go to chapter four, Overhill and Underhill. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle__earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for sticking around through the ad. Or if you skipped it, I don't have anything to say to you. Um, <laughs> even though it's the same ad as every episode. Yeah, I don't have anything yeah. to say either. But So I'm going to do the summary of Chapter 4, Overhill and Underhill. Um, as Grant said in the last summary, uh, it leaves off after they've just figured out what the um, moon runes were, or the moon letters were, what it said. So this chapter picks up a few days after the party has left Rivendell, and they're making their way along the mountains when a storm hits. They see two giants playing catch with a boulder, and the thunder is deafening. Uh, they send Keely and Feely to find shelter from the rain, and they come back to tell them that they found a cave, uh, but Gandalf is a little suspicious because he asks, did they search everything in the cave? And then Bilbo mentions that um, it's important to... Uh, search through all the cave, search through a cave because you never know how far back it goes and what can be back there. Uh, so the party goes and camps for the night in the cave, and Bilbo is having a dream when he suddenly awakes and sees ponies. The ponies going through a passage in the cave. Uh, he shrieks when goblins jump out, and it wakes everybody up. Um, and there's a bunch of goblins surrounding them, and Gandalf creates a big flash and disappears, which kills some of the goblins that were uh, trying to attack him or trying to restrain him. Um, but the party's taken prisoner by the rest of the goblins, and they're brought down deeper into the cave where they're brought in front of the goblin king. And the king is questioning them 
when all the lights go out and a voice tells them the party or in a voice tells the party to follow them and they don't know who this voice is but they all just start following him and uh Bilbo is slow so he jumps in the back of one of the dwarves I can't remember which one it is oh it's Dory I have it written down right there uh, right right so um Gandalf they find out it's Gandalf because he uh uses his staff or whatever to create a little light um and they see it's him uh so Gandalf is leading them away uh but eventually the gob- the goblins capture them after a little fight uh, because Bilbo, or not Bilbo, Gandalf and Thorin uh, turn around and start fighting the goblins, but eventually they get caught. And Bilbo was riding on Dory's back, but when the go- when a goblin grabbed Dory, Bilbo was flung off and hit his head on a rock and was knocked out. <laughs> yeah, and he was left away, f- or the goblins never picked him up, he was left there. And that's when the chapter ends, him being unconscious. Boom. boom. Bang. Boom. Boom. Yeah, so, yeah. uh... Guess we don't know if Bilbo dies or not. That'd be sad if he does. Because that's, that's where the chapter leaves off, and we're not going to talk about it until two weeks later. So mm-hmm. I guess you yeah. better guess you better read chapter five, right? Five, yeah. Riddles in the dark. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Oh, big chapter. This yeah. is a big chapter coming up. So I guess you guys better read that one in the next two weeks once mm-hmm. this comes out. And then you'll find out. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some lesser known things in that chapter overhill and underhill because i bet a lot of you guys are having questions as to what the frick were the stone giants yeah because if you've ever read lord of the rings or the hobbit as we are right now Mm -hmm. um or if you've watched the movies they only ever appear in the hobbit both in the movies and in the book once and they're Mm -hmm. only mentioned once pretty much yeah uh and they're never in any of the other movies or books or anything. And so it was kind of speculated that uh, Tolkien kind of had the idea to include giants in his world, but then kind of scrapped the idea after The Hobbit. And after all, The Hobbit was kind of like his like kid's fairy tale type book. Yeah. Um, and so it might have been more of like just kind of like a tall tale or... Mm-hmm. Or a personification of like the storm that it's, was raging on in the Because it's like Bilbo telling the story, so he could have exaggerated. Right, yeah. You know? So it could have been like when Bilbo was telling Frodo his story, or maybe mm-hmm. when Frodo was a little kid, he could have been exaggerating. There were stone giants throwing boulders. Yeah. But uh, as far as we know, they're only in the Misty Mountains. And there is one other mention, not of stone giants, but of giants in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is. That the in uh, Gondor, uh, the city of Minas Tirith, mm-hmm. it was said to have been carved out of the mountain by giants. Oh yeah. And then also, in in Gondor as well, the White Mountains, pretty much, which is like a main part of Gondor, um, was said to have been home of giants before people started living there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. So the people that were living there, they were, I guess, once they started living there, they were natives, I guess. Yeah. So that's just how it works. Yeah. If you think about it, Native Americans weren't native to America when they came across the Bering, uh, the land bridge from Asia yeah. to America. But so, then I guess the next generation was. But yeah, and yeah. then after that, they, they were the only ones there. So yeah. that's the kind of the same thing with these people who mm-hmm. were in the mountains. Yeah. So, uh, but, so these people were, uh, I guess, mountain men of sorts, they're pretty primitive people uh i guess they would be distantly related to the rohirrim 
who would later come down to settle the plains of Rohan. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so these people had spoken um, of giants who once roamed the White Mountains and actually built the mountains to prevent others from getting into their land. And one of these giants had a name of Tarlang. Tarlang? Yeah. And he had somehow tripped or something, and he died. By it's hitting, probably easy to trip as a giant. Yeah, by hitting his head. And so he died in southern Gondor, uh, south of the White Mountains. And uh, this was before it was actually Gondor, uh, so it was just land. It was just land? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other giants neglected to clean up his broken body, so they just left him there. Like, well, all right, that's sad. And I mean, so, it's probably really heavy. It's, yeah, that's true. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, but his body eventually became incorporated into the land around it, and his, ne- his neck. <laughs> his neck. I don't know I said it like that. <laughs> His neck became uh, Tarling's neck, which you can see all of this on the map. Like, if you go on the back of the Lord of the Rings books, there's that, like, little up-close map of Gondor and Mordor and Rohan and all that. And you can see uh, Tarling's neck in the south of the White Mountains, uh, right by the River Morthond. And... Wait, where? Right there. Okay. It's on the it's on the left left side of the map. Yeah, the very left side. Yeah. Wow. Right by the, what is that, the river? Oh, no, the river Morthond is right there, but mm-hmm. you can barely see on the map. It's to the left of the river Kirill. Yeah. In the region of Lamadon. Yeah. So Tarlang's neck is all that's left of his neck. It's kind of like this rocky ridge. And then, apparently, I guess, he was carrying uh, stones with him. Mm-hmm. And when he dropped them, they also became part of the land. And the stones, I guess, were called uh, Kul Veleg and Kul Ben. So they named the stones. Were the stones named before he dropped them, or did they get named after? I don't know. Uh, And then his head also became uh, Dol Tarlang, which means Mm -hmm. the Hill of Tarlang. Do you you think those rocks were like his pet rocks? They could have been. been, I don't know how smart giants are, so he could have, I don't know, he could have just thought they were alive or something. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then also in The Hobbit, Gandalf does mention, uh, after they, later on, Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil anything. But, I mean, they do get out of the mountains somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he does mention that he could perhaps convince a nicer giant to block up the front door of Goblin Town with a large boulder mm-hmm. so they don't cause him any more trouble. So I guess there were nicer giants, but there mm-hmm. were also giants who were chucking boulders at each other. So. Yeah, well, the, the in the movies, um, the giants are throwing, they're like fighting each other with the rocks. Yeah. But in the... Books, they're just playing catch. They're yeah. just having a nice game of catch. So maybe they were friendly giants. Yeah, They just true. don't realize the repercussions of what they do. Right. Um, and then I have another thing to say. I have something to say here, Jay. Okay. Uh, so the Great Goblin, right? Yes. Of Goblin Town. Yep. Um, a lot of people ask if he's the king of the orcs or king of goblins. Um, I don't think there is really a king because... Sauron technically controls them, even mm-hmm. though he's like the necromancer at mm-hmm. this point in the timeline. Um, they pretty much all operate under his spirit, his dominant will. Mm-hmm. So he's not a king, but he's, I guess, just what you'd call like a leader of yeah. goblins. And he was the leader of the goblin town under the Misty Mountains, which was perhaps the largest settlement of orcs in the Misty Mountains. And that was pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much central. I would say it has to be the biggest because they got, like, the name Goblin Town. Yeah. And the then, other ones just have to come up with other yeah, names. The the other settlements that are in 
the Misty Mountains are Moria because mm-hmm. it's abandoned and all the orcs took over it. And then Mount Gundabad. Gundabad. Which is a orc stronghold. Actually, Mount Gundabad was the birthplace of uh, Durin the Deathless, which is the first uh, Durin in the, all the way in the first or before the first days. So he's the one who owns all the fo- folks, Durin's folks. Yeah, they're all his. They're all named after him. Yeah. And then he ended up founding Moria, and then what sucks is orcs ended up taking up or taking over both of them. Yeah. After his time, but you know, you can't ever everything. Yeah. Even as a dwarf, you can't have all the gold in the world. Well, the something interesting when I was reading my, when I was like doing the research for this is when, uh, when I talked about Sauron fighting the elves and then the dwarves came and attacked. When he went back, to, when Sauron turned back to attack them. The dwarves went to Moria and locked it up, and then it stopped Sauron from getting in, and then he got, um, he was obviously upset. Right, And right. he, I wonder if I can find it, um, he swore, he didn't say a bad word. <laughs> he swore. He might have said a bad yeah, word. maybe. Um, where, let me see. Oh, here we go. So it says, um, Sauron withdrew the pursuit of Elrond and turned back upon the dwarves and the elves of Lorinand, Lorinand uh, whom he drove back. But the gates of Moria were shut, and he could not enter. Ever afterwards, Moria had Sa- Moria had Sauron's hate, and all the orcs were commanded to harry, to harry, hey. commanded to harry dwarves whether they might. Harry, what does that mean? Harry dwarves it means to like uh, kill. Yeah, just to kind of like stop them mm. or like prevent them from getting anywhere. You could read that as harry dwarves, just like dwarves with a lot of hair. Yeah, told them to harry dwarves. No, so that's where the that's where. Sauron gets his hate for Moria and the dwarves, and then eventually, or, yeah, and then the orcs are like, we're taking this back, because Sauron told me to. Right. And that's why they took it. Interesting. Yeah. So, the Great Goblin was probably the leader of all the orcs in the Misty Mountains, because there's kind of different breeds of orcs, and the ones from the Misty Mountains are kind of their own special breed. Mm -hmm. Then there's the ones from Mordor, which are um, a little taller and stronger. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so the Great Goblin would often order his goblins to raid villages of the men in the eastern Misty Mountains. They would live in these uh, woodlands, and they'd have like small towns and homesteads, and so he'd often order them to raid the villages, and they would team up with the wargs, which are the monster wolf things, mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, and they got a lot out of it. They got to eat humans. Uh, yeah. They got to take all their other food. They got to take their... I don't know what else they'd take, but they'd take just stuff. stuff. Yeah, just and various things. Burn the villages, probably. That probably that was fun for them. Yeah, and then when Gandalf killed the great goblin with his sword, uh, that caused all the goblins to go in a frenzy, and then it also rekindled the fire of the war between the orcs and the dwarves, which we mentioned, I think, in the mm-hmm. first episode of the Hobbit Deep Dive. Yes. Uh, about... The dwarves and the orcs had big battles mm-hmm. under, like, Moria and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, and Azog and Bulg, which are captains of the orcs and mountains, we've mentioned them before, uh, they could have very well been under his command mm-hmm. as Great Goblin. So, we don't know. That's just, those are guesses. Just theories. Yeah, just theories. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just a few little deep dives about that the second chapter, the fourth chapter. Yeah, there's not much in that chapter that's like a you can do a deep dive on. Yeah, there's not a lot of information going off there. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got. 
But next chapter will be big. Next chapter will be big. But we also have another big thing to mention in our Middle Earth current events. Pew, pew, pew. But it's current events in Earth uh, pertaining about, to Middle yeah, Earth. About Middle Earth. Um, so, uh, first of all, big announcement. Big announcement. By the time this episode releases, uh, it'll be the 14th, right? Yeah, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Go s- celebrate it if you... Celebrate with your friends and family. Celebrate it. Kiss your parents. Kiss your parents <laughs> right on the lips. Kiss your... And dog. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Anyways, if you've got someone you love, celebrate with them. If you love yourself, celebrate it with yourself. Kiss yourself. Kiss... Yeah, just yeah. on the hand, though. Yeah. If you can kiss yourself on the lips. That'd be crazy. That'd be, I mean, you... technically you can. You're going to leave halfway, though, when you close your lip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so... By that time, this video, or, whoa, it's not a video. video. Where's the camera? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast will have released, and that means the day before this has been released will would have been Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Uh, just, I don't know. I don't, we'll I don't make know. our picks right now. I'm picking the Rams. I don't know who. Pick your, pick your team. No, I'm, I'm just saying something. Oh. Oh. Whoever listens to this and lives in America probably watches the Super Bowl, but I know there's some people who don't live in America who watch, or listens to this. Who? I don't know. Oh, you said you know something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've seen all the, the statistics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So if you don't watch the Super Bowl, then you might miss it. But there's supposed to be a teaser trailer for the new Rings of Power yeah. uh, series on you Amazon. You can probably find it on YouTube. The yeah, you can day. probably find it on YouTube. But it's supposed to air during the Super Bowl, probably yes. during halftime, maybe. I don't know. It's a pretty big... During a commercial break. During a commercial <laughs> break. But it's it's a pretty big announcement. So I would, yeah. I would assume they'd do it during halftime. But... uh. Yeah, so hopefully, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be announced that day. Um, and then also... And that's supposed to be more than just the last trailer. It's supposed to show actual footage. Yeah. Um, and then also, I am going for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. I've always been a Bengals fan mm-hmm. uh, since I was about eight, I think. Don't let anybody tell you different. Yeah. People keep <laughs> saying I'm a bandwagoner. I'm not. I've always <laughs> liked them. Okay? Yeah. And let's see... I first liked them because they had stripy jerseys and stripy uh, helmets. Good, yeah. The orange and black. They, they were pretty cool. Yeah. Like, they were the coolest looking team. Oh, yeah. They got the coolest jerseys in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, well, actually, the Rams have cool helmets, too. I like yeah, but helmets. they didn't always have cool helmets. No. No. I like their colors now than what they were before when they were in uh, St. Louis. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah, bad colors. <laughs> yeah, but, um, also, I would not be upset if the Rams won because Matt Stafford is a great quarterback. Yes. And Jay and I have always been Lions fans. Yeah. And he was on the Lions for a long time, and he got traded this last yeah. year to the Rams, and he made it to the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. So we're a little, we're a little mad, but you know whatever. Yeah. Good to him. Yeah, I'm Rams, but I w- I would I'm not a Ram. I'm rooting for the Rams. Oh, Ram. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad. Ram. I'd be happy if the Bengals won. Yeah. But enough of this jock talk. Let's get back to the nerd <laughs> stuff for the yeah. nerds. So, uh, also recently, uh, the Rings of Power did release 23 new posters. That's a which lot. Which only featured hands. Well, and, and torsos and waists. Well, and torsos and waists and stuff. But most, well, it, the most of the focus was on the hands and whatever they were holding and stuff yes. like that. Oh, um, Quentin Tarantino was like, oh, so it's so like, close. It's like word. the opposite of Quentin Tarantino. So <laughs> yeah. he probably does posters with feet. 
Yeah, maybe. Gross. If Quentin Tarantino directed yeah. this, just their feet. <laughs> their feet. What the heck? Gross. So, some of them do have uh, rings that they're wearing, and so that could be kind of like a, a hint at maybe some of those characters will don the rings of power, mm-hmm. whether they're dwarves or elves or men. I'd be surprised if they didn't, because the title, yeah. the title yeah. of the rings of power. Uh, so, I'm not going to go through all 23. I don't know if you... Did you have anything to say about them? Uh... Not really. I, I mean, you can't really talk about to, pictures. Yeah, I don't want to steal your show. Uh, I don't really have anything to say other okay. than that they look cool. They do look cool. They They're look interesting. Really, really well made. And yeah, and yeah. I am also interested. You probably mentioned the dwarf queen, the dwarf lady. Yeah. I'm interested to see like a female dwarf because I don't think you saw those in no. Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. Uh, so yeah, there's. I'm just gonna talk about a few of them. There's a poster. Uh, with a guy who has black armor and he's got like this black uh, gauntlet on his wrist and mm-hmm. hand and it's got like spikes on it. It knuckles. looks like Sauron's hand. And he's got this black sword. Yes. It looks like it would be Sauron's hand, but at this point in the second age when they're doing it, he looks like an elf. Yeah. So I don't think that would be his. Because he's I trying think, to trick him. Yeah. Unless unless they do, unless that's just his form, I guess, throughout the whole, I don't know why they would do that. Because it'd be cool seeing Sauron go from like a cool looking elf dude to a guy in black armor and kinda, stuff. It's kind of like a kind Anakin of, Skywalker to Darth Vader. Yeah, kind of, yeah. No! <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, so I think that will probably be either be Sauron towards the end, mm-hmm. or it will be uh, the Witch King of Angmar once uh, he turns into, or once he gets yeah. his ring of power. I think, I feel like it'd be the latter because... Um, Sauron doesn't turn to Sauron, or he's an elf and then he turns into Sauron, yeah. till later, yeah. and this is just pictures for the first season, yeah, so which maybe... Yeah, will probably be earlier on in the second age and not later on, so yeah. that's what I'm guessing. Uh, there is one with a, um, this silver chest plate, looks like an elvish chest plate, and it's got like a half gold, half silver dagger, and on the hilt it looks like the two trees of Valinor, silver and gold, like wrapped mm-hmm. around each other. Um... A lot of people are saying uh, that it has been confirmed that it was Galadriel, played by Morphid Clark, mm-hmm. like young younger Galadriel. I I mean I would have to agree because I mean I can't really say anything about yeah. it because I don't know for sure. But a lot of people are saying it's Galadriel, which would be cool. But also Galadriel was never like a weapon user. Mm-hmm. She used magic for the most part and enchantments. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why she'd be wearing armor and a dagger. I mean, the dagger could make sense just for protection up close, but I don't know mm-hmm. why she'd be wearing armor. It could also just be a random elf. Yeah, but it could also be us. it could also be elves like uh, Celebrimbor, who is the one who helped forge the rings. Mm-hmm. It could also be Gilgalad, who is the king of the elves at the time. Yeah. So, or an original character. Yeah. But I don't feel like it'd be an original character. Well, they the um they, the Tolkien estate said that they can't change anything that's written but they have creative freedom to interpret it different ways and yeah they i don't think they they might they can add stuff but it, they can't contradict anything that's written so they could add an original because there is an you'll probably talk about the original character they're coming up with the sister of somebody yeah that was, that was literally the next one yeah oh sorry i didn't mean to steal Bro. thunder dude. yeah so i mean most of the uh the family trees of people that tolkien wrote about uh, they mostly mention the male descendants mm-hmm. because that's just how most family trees, like especially in royalty, are accounted. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never said anything about a sister. So this mm-hmm. could be uh, Elendil's daughter and Isildur's sister. Um, we don't 
we wouldn't know her name, but it's this woman in like a red dress and she's holding this black book. Mm-hmm. And on the black book is kind of like an engraving and it looks like waves and like a little fish maybe at the top. And so like Numenor is an island out of sea mm-hmm. and they're shipbuilders and they're mariners and stuff like that. So that would probably be what that character is, is a sister of a Sildor, mm-hmm. um, which would be an original character. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lady with golden dust on her fingers Mm -hmm. and she's got like a kind of golden attire with like these golden, like triangle, like jewelry pieces that like hang on a robe and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And, uh, I guess this one was also confirmed to be a dwarven queen as an original character, which would be pretty cool. It'd be cool to see. Cause there has to be. Yeah. I I always, I always wondered why they never showed well, does Tolkien mention dwarven women? In he he story? does briefly, but it was kind of like as a joke, like they kind of, like, or he kind of jokes that there's like hardly any dwarf women anymore and that the dwarves just grow out of stone. Yeah. But uh, anyways, the only other dwarf character that you can actually see is a dwarf in the posters because he has his hands on an axe and he's got this big red beard. You're like, obviously that's a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And also on the axe are these dwarven ruin, er, mm-hmm. runes. And the Dwarven runes say, Awake Sleeping Stone. Oh. So, that's uh, kind of cool. Definitely Dwarf. Yeah, uh, but anyways, dwarves are that's, apparently that's supposed to be Durin Third, who is the king of the of Durin's folk mm-hmm. and during part of the Second Age. So that's pretty cool. And then, um, I guess she would be the Dwarven Queen. And she has gold dust on her fingers. And the only other person in the posters to have gold dust on his fingers is Durin the Dwarf. So... Mm-hmm. She's, and yeah, she's definitely a dwarven queen. Dwarves liked their gold. And the, you know how jewelry. they like their gold. Um, there's a guy with his hand on an arrow, and he's got this unique chest plate that's kind of got, like, these, like, leafy uh, carving on it. And then there's also, like, a face in the middle that's got, like, a leafy beard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably, it looks like an original character. Um, I can't remember the guy. I don't know. Some people are putting faces to the, the hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess people just had time to do that, but I can't remember his name now, the actor, but uh, apparently he's probably one of the Numenorians or something like that, mm-hmm. but that'd be pretty cool. I thought it was, uh, it could be, like, it looked like an ant face, kind of the leaves on the, oh, yeah. the beard. I love ants, dude. That would be kind of crazy. Cool. Uh, they go hard, honestly. I hope they have ants. Yeah, that, well, that would be cool because they would be more common during the Second Age yeah. because there's a lot more... And there would be the Ent women or whatever. Yeah, the Ent wives. Ent yeah, wives. Because there's a lot more forested land in the Second Age, mm-hmm. which would mean they would have more land to roam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there could be. Um, there's also a person with a sickle, and on one side she's got uh, old clothes, and on the other side got, like, nice blue robes with, like, a golden belt of sorts. Um I think that's gonna be a character who has like either two sides to them or they go from like kind of rags to riches type deal. Mm-hmm. So wait, so, wait of... so the rags is on the left and the riches is on the right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it could also be riches to rags because it's left or right to left. I don't it know. Depends on. Because you read from. Oh, you read left to right. Yeah. So... Sorry. Sorry, man. I don't. Sorry. Rags to riches. Do your thing. Yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> Uh, there is, there's a person, uh, a robed figure with a golden scepter and on the scepter is kind of like this, like a uh, skyline of a city, which could probably be Armenolos, which is the capital city of Numenor, mm-hmm. or it could be another city, uh, maybe the Grey Havens. 
but it's probably either uh, Gilgalad or... Um, I don't think it would be Elrond. I don't know why he would have a scepter, because he's not a king. Mm-hmm. And also, during this time, he's not as revered as he is in the Third Age, so... Yeah. Uh, or it could be one of the kings of Numenor. So, I don't yeah. know. Um, there's a figure in all golden robes and many gold rings. I thought this was going to be Arpharazon the Golden, who is the last king of Numenor, uh, which would make sense. But the thing I saw that was confirming characters um, was saying that it was uh, uh, Gilgalad. Oh, Gilgalad. The high king of the Noldor. Mm-hmm. So... That would make sense, too. Yeah. Uh, and there's a robed figure in scarlet and green with a scroll, and on the scroll is, like, uh, elvish writing that says uh, the view of Armenelos from the southwest or something like that. Um, so I feel like that would either be uh, Círdan or Gilgalad. Círdan is uh, one of, like, the highest-ranked people in Linden of the High Elves, and he was also a shipbuilder. Um and the Numenorians, when they started sailing back to Middle Earth, they had, uh, they would sail to the Grey Havens in Linden, and so that's probably someone gave him a map of mm-hmm. Numenor. So that's what I think. It's probably one of the elves, one of the higher elves, maybe Elrond or Círdan. Uh, then we got a person with golden armor, and there's a sun on the chest, and he's got a sword in his hands, and on the sword hilt that like round thing at the end is there's a sun and then on the base of the blade there's also a picture of a sun mm-hmm. and that's pro people the confirmation said it was uh elendil who is Isildur's father um it could also be anarion who's known as or his name literally means the son of the sun mm-hmm. so yeah could be him um and then there's a few characters that are holding what appear to be like giant berries or giant acorns or things yeah. that look big in their hands but that's probably that's probably showing the new hobbits. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of give a size comparison. Their hands are small compared to the acorns and berries. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm still against the hobbits being in the second age. Because mm-hmm. they could have been in the second age, but they were never mentioned. I read so. I read something. Uh, what is it? Because the hobbits are an offshoot of the race of men. And they got shorter over time and they became more secluded so i don't think they would have definitely been short obviously over this long period of time but i think they would still be hidden in the veils of anduin where they their ancestral homes are i don't think they would be like i swear if they have the shire in the second age i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm a freak yeah because like like i said arnor was the kingdom yeah in that time so shire wasn't a thing then yeah. I don't remember where I read it, um, but the one of the characters who claims they're playing a hobbit, um, he said, I think it's this guy, Lenny Henry. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had an interview. Um, I'll see if I can find it. He said something about how the hobbits were, like, in the place they were at, where it was going to be, like, a, they were going to be more black, Asian, and multicultural hobbits or something like that. Multiracial hobbits. Yeah, he said... Um, and they said it's like a tribe, not a race. Yeah, but it was one of the races, or one of the families of hobbits. Oh, the Harfoots. <clears throat> Harfoots. Yeah. And he, or he claimed, I didn't read it or anything, that in the appendices it mentions in the uh, um, like t- family trees 
section or whatever, it mentions that um, the Harfoots were, were uh, like, around dwarves, I think it was. Yeah. So I think, or were around dwarves, like, way back. They, yeah. It never says a second age, but I think they, like, were able to interpret that as a second age. So that's why I, that's why I think they're having a, or they're having uh, hobbits in there. But I, like you said, I don't think they should have the Shire in there. Yeah. Because, uh... oh wait, here, let me see. It says in Concerning Hobbits, chapter, page 12. Wait, is that in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. However, it turns out I'm still against hobbits being in the show. I know they want to put hobbits in there, though, because it's a very well-known uh, people. Because that's kind of, that, that'll probably be their selling point, honestly. Is the hobbits, hobbits in it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me find it. It just doesn't make sense, though. Unless, unless a lot of, unless, like, some of the episodes will have things to do with, like, the Veils of Anduin. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should be in there. I don't know if I'll be able to find it in time. The Harfoots. Oh, it says right here. So, this, this, in my edition, I think it's, like, the just a basic edition, like, what everyone is. On the chat, or page three of the prologue, it says... The Harfoots had much to do with dwarves in ancient times and long lived in the foothills of the mountains. They moved westward early and roamed over Eriador as far as Weathertop, while the others were still in uh, Wilderland. They were the most normal and representative variety of hobbits, and far more numerous. They were most inclined to settle in one place and longest preserve their ancestral habit, living in tunnels and holes. So, it do, it's, I mean, it says dwarves. They had much to do with dwarves in ancient time and long lived in the foothills of the mountains. So I guess it says that they uh, were, uh, like, I mean, it mentions that they uh, had dealings in ancient times with dwarves. That would be in the Grey Mountains and the Misty Mountains. Yeah, so it doesn't really say, or it doesn't say uh, in this explicitly in the Second Age. Yeah, and then but... when they do move into Eriador and wander around, like, especially around Weathertop, right? Is that mm -hmm. what I said? Yeah. That's in the Third Age when they first come into record of the elves. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. and the paragraph above it says, the Harfoots were browner of skin, smaller and shorter. So that's where, that's why they're having more diverse hobbits. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I guess you could, if you, like, if people don't understand the history of hobbits, they could think that they could be like, oh, the, the hobbits were around then. Yeah. But it's, Tolkien never, like says they were so i wonder how that works because they said uh they can't ch they can't contradict anything in the book so i guess yeah. maybe since it doesn't explicitly say that that happened in the third age they're allowed to put in the second age yeah i don't know but definitely the shire wouldn't be there yeah they would just be like nomads roaming yeah i could go into how i don't think the hobbits would be i mean i don't think they would be they would be tribes, technically, because mm -hmm. they are an offshoot of the race of men, so technically they are men, and therefore a race, but mm -hmm. the tribes are Harfoot, Stor, and yeah. Fellowhides. But I could go I could go into how I don't think there would be different culture, or like uh, racial identities within yeah. the Hobbits, but I don't want to do that, because that, that could get pretty... Yeah, uh, maybe maybe they could if, get pretty on the fence. There, maybe so. after the thing is after the show's released. Yeah, and if it's if it is like that, you can talk about that yeah. if you want to, and you can prepare for it too. Yeah, 
But yeah, so so the hobbits won't be like if they're included, they're not gonna be like the hobbits in Lord of the Rings, where they're like in a town and they they no. have like all these hobbit holes. They, I mean, they might have like a few hobbit holes together in like a small community, because like Gollum or Smeagol, when he grew up, like his his kind of like there was a small community. It was more like a family clan, mm-hmm. and it was led by his like grandmother or something like that. And she was like the matriarch of the family, so it was small communities of these people. Yeah, but it'd probably not be like furnished like they are. No. Yeah, yeah. So it, it wouldn't be as civilized or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than that, other than the hobbits, there's uh, there's a guy with there's a guy with a sword that he's holding, and he's on the sword. The hilt of the sword is kind of like a wooden horse, mm-hmm. and so I swear, if they put Rohan in here as well, <laughs> I'll I'll lose it. Yeah. But I don't think they'll do it as Rohan. They'll probably have it as a character of the Northmen who lived in Ravanion, east of Mirkwood at the time. Uh, They weren't yet in the Vales of Anduin. Mm -hmm. Um, There were woodmen in the Vales of Anduin, the ancestors of the Bjornings, but not the the ancestors of the Rohirrim. They were still to the east of uh, Mirkwood. Yeah. So, but they, yeah, they've long revered horses because there's like a lot of grasslands out there, so. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably what that guy is, and then... Yeah, there's a few other ones. Uh, There is a figure with blue robes accented with gold. And I thought it would be just like another king or noble of Numenor or an elf or something like that. But that one, Mm -hmm. I think, was confirmed to be uh, our Farazone, the golden, before he became king. Yeah. Uh, So that's that's all I got for that. Yeah, there's not a lot of information about the... They're cool to look at, though. It makes you excited. Well, maybe by the time this is released, there'll be more information because the trailer... Yeah, Or the teaser trailer came out, which I'm excited for. Very much so. Very much so. Okay, um, time for trivia? Yeah, talking trivia. Do you want to go, because last time I asked you first and you asked me, so let's sure. you asked me first. Uh, so I'm looking sort of specific, but it's not, I don't think it's super hard. So when I talked about the giants of Gondor, pre-Gondor, in the White Mountains, mm-hmm. who did the people who lived, the men, who did the people become in the third age that lived in the mountains oh uh was it the rohirrim no oh dang i thought you said they turned the rohirrim um no that was a that was a different group of people that said they came from the north but these people have always lived in the mountains and by the third age they turned into something else i don't know it has something to do with a seal door and a oath that was broken um Oh, I can't think of. Are the, so they're it's it's the Sildor are they Sildor's ancestors and then they like turned rogue. Is no. that that's not them? No, I don't know. I can't think of any of these. It's the uh, the undead army, the Oathbreakers. Oh, really? Yeah, Dang. that's that's those people. So I the people you see in the Return of the King, that Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas oh, yeah. see, um, those are the people who lived in the White Mountains that weren't. Uh, Gondorians, mm-hmm. they refused the summons of Isildur to fight against Sauron, and so he uh, he cursed them to mm. be undead until they fulfilled their oath. And so those are the same people who had stories of giants really? in the mountains. Yep. And so they should have asked them before they were dead for good. Yeah, they should have. Yeah. But that's why I'm not a Tolkien expert, and you are. Sure. Because yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, my trivia question. Um, it's about it takes. It's in chapter four. Is where this takes place. So, it's, this isn't as, as big of a question as a smaller question. Okay. So, it says, 
it says, I says, what I says <laughs> is, when goblins attack the party in the cave, how many goblins does Bilbo say there are for each dwarf? Oh, no. And then a bonus point if you say how many were for Bilbo, because there was a certain number for, for each dwarf and a certain number for just Bilbo. Yeah, I, rem- I remember there was like a different number for Bilbo. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say, was there five for each dwarf? That's close. Is it lower or higher? Can you higher. Hint? It's higher. Six? Yeah, six for each and dwarf. And then three for him? Lower. Know. Two? Yeah. Yeah. Six. It I was. I was within one each <laughs> yeah. time, though. Dang it. Yeah, but it doesn't say how much there were for uh, Gandalf. No, because he dis he uh, disappeared. But wait, let's do the math. So there's four or thirteen dwarves in. Yeah, one thirteen hob- dwarves in one hobbit. So six. So times one hobbit two plus two. So that's that's eighty dwarves or eighty eighty goblins, <laughs> not counting however many uh, Gandalf, Gandalf killed. killed. Yeah, because he killed a few. So. That's crazy. I never did the math on that. That's a lot of goblins. Because the dwarves too. Yeah, because in the cave, like in the movie, in the cave, it's not like a huge. Yeah, it's a small cave, cave. But that'd be pretty packed. Yeah. No wonder they had no chance. Yeah. There were so many of them. I never thought of that. Like, why didn't they even fight back? But if eighty goblins or just eighty enemies jump out, you don't really have a chance. Goblin. <laughs> you gonna say it? Goblin these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess. Well, thanks for listening. That was that's kind of a Valentine's Day joke because it's like a romantic thing, kind of. I mean, it could be romantic. Could remain, depends on who you are. Depend. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on. Yeah. Depends on your preference. Depends on a few things first. Yeah. But. but um, thanks for listening to our Valentine's Day special, even though we just mentioned Valentine's Day in it. Yeah. Um, and Grant made a kissy sound at the start. Oh, there he goes again. So that's two kissy sounds, which makes this even better. I don't know what that sound was. <laughs> But yeah, so thanks for listening. Next episode, like Grant mentioned, chapter five um, is about, what's it called? Riddles in the Dark. Yeah. Big chapter. Also, we will definitely talk about the Rings of Power trailer because it will have been, it will yeah. have been happened. It will have been. <laughs> it will have been. Yeah. Right now it has not been, but it will have been. Yep. And then we'll talk about it. Also, this was episode 15. Yeah. Not really a huge milestone, but yeah. I think 25 would be a bigger one. Yeah. what What's the driving age? 16 or 17? 16, yeah. So one year, one Where episode away yeah. from driving. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's in America. I don't two, know what it is in other. Two episodes away, or three episodes technically, away from voting age. Yeah, so our, the, the episodes will be able to vote for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. If you count each episode as one year. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, so episode, <laughs> episode 16 on chapter 5, read it, because it's important. Would you guys be mad if we did one episode per year? <laughs> I don't think anybody would listen. <laughs> or we wouldn't have recurring listeners. No, we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I, okay, we all asked, last episode we said that these two chapters were goaded. I think, we were just, I was just joking. We were just joshing joking around. Because this is probably the goaded chapter. This is probably the goaded chapter. Because yeah. this is like the chapter. Like this is the chapter everyone remembers. Yeah, this this chapter goes down in history as the goaded chapter. Off the red, oh. oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. goaded we'll of all time. <laughs> goaded of all time. Yeah, have a have a goaded Valentine's Day. Yeah, have a, <laughs> have a goaded uh, Valentine's Day with your goaded ones. Yeah, your goaded ones. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully that trailer's goaded. Yeah.
But we'll Hopefully see. the Bengals outgo the Rams. <laughs> outgo <laughs> That's impossible. Go the Rams. You can't outgo a Ram. You can't outgo the Ram. Well, goats aren't Rams, so. But the Rams aren't goats. You can't out Tiger a Bengal. Yeah. So, try it. You can't. Yeah. We'll see who's you the goat. You can't out team. Pizza the Hut. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're never going to end if we just so, keep doing all right, this. Alright, bye. Bye. Okay. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Middle Earth. We had a great time making it and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you did enjoy the podcast and want to support us, there's two ways you can do that. One way is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This helps us a lot because it builds up our reputation. You can also share this episode or the podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth where we will post updates and behind the scenes pictures. The link to those will be in the show notes. Each episode goes up every other Monday, so episode 15 will be up on February 28th, and it will cover chapter 5 of The Hobbit, so be on the lookout for that. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.